in a fallen world. And we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. We thank you for Jesus and his death and resurrection. We thank you that we can know that we have eternal life. And Lord, we thank you that we can live for you. And so, Lord, as we think about going through life and trying to make decisions, thank you, Lord, that you've given us written revelation that we can know and apply. And we thank you also, Lord, that you've given us great freedom on decisions in which you haven't told us anything. So thank you for that, Lord. Our goal, of course, is as we study that we will understand and make application in our lives. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we want to live our lives that count for Christ. Look at Colossians 3. Look at uh, verse 17. Colossians chapter 3. It's one of my favorite verses. And look what he says. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. He's basically saying whatever we do in life, whether it's words or deeds, whether we say in our actions, the bottom line is that we want to bring glory to Christ. That's the key. Wouldn't you agree that that's what we want to do in our lives, that we want to live in such a way that Jesus Christ is glorified? That means all the areas, even the decisions we make. We want to make wise decisions. Even if you have freedom, and it says that the Bible doesn't tell me what to do, and so I have freedom to make choices. The choices that we make, we want to make choices that bring glory to God. We want to do wise things. We want to do things in which Jesus Christ is lifted up and glorified. Our study has been on decision-making, making decisions, knowing God's will, and we come to a close of our study, and I I've got several things. We come to the close of the study. We're going to get a brief overview, and then we got two things. I want to talk about two stories. One is an article I'm going to read you. It's a guy that was a professor at a Bible college and had a decision to make. He got a job offer in California, and he lives in Minnesota. And so the question is, what does he stay at his job, or does he take a new job? How's he going to know that? Then the other one is going to be me. I'm going to tell you about a situation that happened to me when I was at Dallas Seminary. And then I want you to help me figure out how we make a decision like that. So there's some great things. So let, let's begin by just looking at this. First of all, the three aspects of God's will are the sovereign will of God, the specific will of God, and the general will of God. The sovereign will of God is that God works all things according to the counsel of his will, that everything flows together. Uh, you have decision-making capacity, but even our decisions, right or wrong, sinful or non-sinful, they still fit in the sovereign plan of God because nothing is outside his plan. How that fits together is beyond our comprehension, but it is. The specific will of God is found in the Bible. It is the revealed word of God where he says, study to show yourself approved, where he says, don't lie, don't steal. Those are specific will of God for us. We actually looked at five places when he said, this is the will of God for you. He said, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, but this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So he tells us, hey, this is God's will. And we saw five big areas, and then we made the decision that whenever you see Something in the Bible that is a command that applies to us, because not every command applies to us, but anytime you see a command that applies to us, we could say, well, that's God's will because he's told me what to do. The third one is called the general will, and this is the one where people get more messed up on is because we've got to make decisions that aren't found in the Bible. We, we get to do things and say things, go places, wear clothes, do things, live places do, that aren't found in Scripture. And so the decision or the question would be asked, how in the world do we make those decisions? How do we know what to do? And we find out that we have great freedom. In fact, most of these decisions, in fact, unless there's some biblical revelation to it or biblical principle, these decisions are not right or wrong decisions. 
uh, if you said, well, I've got buy this house or this house, that's not right or wrong. If you buy one, it's not, and you've, uh, you sinned, you messed up. No, it's not that. The issue isn't right or wrong. The issue is wisdom, which might be the best house. Look at it and figure it out. You have the freedom there. So that's what we've been seeing. So let me remind you, and we'll talk through this. And the first one is, how in the world do we make wise decisions? Well, first of all, when we have biblical revelation, what do we do? We obey. Listen, it's not, it's not hard when it says... Uh, study to show yourself approved. What that tells? What is it telling us to do? Study the Bible. When he says, "Don't lie one to another," he's saying, "Then what? Don't lie." So we've got all kind of places in the Bible in which tell us right or wrong. So when we have biblical revelation, we obey. When there's no revelation, we actually have wise decisions. We can make wise decisions. Now I know this is contrary to some teaching for a long time. A lot of people said, no, there's only, you know, God's in control of everything and there's only one will for everything. And if you make a mistake, if you don't buy the right house, if you don't marry the right person, if you don't put on the right clothes, if you don't take the right job, you're out of God's will and you're out of God's will for the rest of your life or at least somehow you can correct it. And then we live making decisions on fear. We live making decisions that every decision is the same, that they're all specific will of God. When and they're not. And so that this kind of helps us when we realize that we, we get to make wise decisions. So here's what we've been talking about, and let's raise the point. Okay, does the decision, the first point is, does the decision come under the specific will of God? Look, give me, give me a, a command or something we need to do that we know from the Scripture. What would be one? Don't steal. Don't steal. Okay, don't steal. Okay, there is something there that's sitting on a counter that nobody's watching, and it's something you want, and you could say, nobody's watching, nobody really cares, I, I could get that. And nobody would really ever know. Well, first of all, who would know? God would know. But you could say, okay, I could do that. But what do you know? Is it God's will for you to take that that doesn't belong to you? No, because we already know from the Scripture that he says it. So you have specific commands, right or wrong from the Bible, that we obey. We also have specific principles, like it won't tell you who to marry, but it'll tell you what kind of person to marry. It won't tell you what job to take, but it'll kind of tell you what kind of job to take. It won't tell you which church to go to or to join or to be a part of, but it'll tell you what should you look for in a church. Because if you, go, if you say, well, I can go to any church, well, I could go to a church and they don't teach the Bible and they don't believe about the salvation by faith in Christ, and I could still go there, and you could say, well, you could, but that's not where you're supposed to go because the principles tell you here's what you look for, and so that would be a right or wrong decision. I know people who choose where they go to church based on what their kids like or choose where they go to church based on what time the services meet or whether they have a parking lot or not. or whether Because I remember when I first was in another church and we didn't have a parking lot, people would say, I'd like to come to your church, but you don't have a parking lot. Okay, okay, well, that's a good, that's a good decision. Yeah, that's wise. Yeah, okay, anyway, things like that. So anyway, so we've got decision to come into the, is it coming to the specific will of God? The answer is yes. Is it a specific command to right or wrong? Yes, we obey it. Is it specific principles? Yes, we obey that. The second big point is, does decision come under the general will of God? And what we know then, if it does, if it's not in Scripture that we find something, we are free to choose our course of action. It is not a right or wrong decision. And what we want people to get past is that they keep saying things like, I just don't want to make a mistake. It's not a right or wrong decision. Okay, it's a wisdom decision. So the B says, make wise decisions. And like we saw last time when Paul had a decision to make, he did not have biblical revelation from God. He said, we thought it best 
to leave Timothy here and go do this. Another place he says, I thought it necessary to do this. He's not saying God told me to do this. And there were times that God told him. If you said to Paul, where did you get your gospel message? He'd say, Jesus Christ came to me and told me the message. That's why I tell this message. Because he got direct revelation and that was it. And, but there are other places where he didn't. And so the idea there is to make wise decisions. First Thessalonians 3, 1, Therefore we can endure it no longer. We thought it best to leave Athens. And so the key for all of this is wisdom, is it not? Make wise decisions. James chapter 1 says, If any man likes wisdom, let him do what? Let him ask of God. Listen, when we talk about prayer, you should pray, we, we should pray about everything. But when you say, you're not praying, oh, God, give me a direct revelation to tell me whether to buy this house or not, you may say, oh, Lord, give me wisdom. You may even say this, Lord, I got a decision to make. Help me remember, give me wisdom, power of the Holy If there's something in the Bible that I'm supposed to know that would tell me, is there a specific principle I should follow? Is there a command that I've forgotten that I should follow? And then say, Lord, also help me just make a wise choice. There's nothing wrong with that. And I'm going to talk in a minute on why... Why this seems wrong. Why it seems wrong to say, I could, I could make whatever decision I want. Because most people say, well, that, that, that's not right. Why is that not right? Huh? It, it seems selfish. It seems simple. And it also doesn't seem spiritual. So he goes, oh, you've got to be spiritual. And so let's talk more about it. We'll get to it in just a minute. So where do we get wisdom? Proverbs 3.13 says, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Well, how do we get wisdom? Look, Listen to this. Just, you don't have to turn there. Just listen to this. Proverbs 4, 4 and 5. Then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my word. Keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Proverbs 2. My son, if you will receive my sayings and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. We find wisdom from where? The Word of God. I mean, the Bible is where we get wisdom, and that's where you know rights and wrongs. That's where you see general principles. That's where you, when, when it says, the slave is borrowed to the lender. It doesn't say that, uh, you know? The, the, the person who borrows money is slave to the lender. Is that right? That's true, is it not? Okay, so if you've got a decision, I'm fixing to go borrow money, that you understand that from the Bible, that's not a sin to borrow money, but from the Bible, if you borrow money, you become what? Slave to the lender. That's just that's a biblical principle. Is there a biblical principle that the more you give, the more God blesses you? It's a biblical principle, yeah. It says he who sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. Who sows bountifully, reaps bountifully. He doesn't tell you how much to give or anything. He just says, there's a, is there an aspect of sowing and reaping in the Bible? Be not deceived, God is not mad. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. He sows of the flesh, reaps of the flesh, corruption. He sows of the spirit, reaps of the spirit, life, eternal life. So there are all kinds of principles and wisdom and things throughout the Bible. There are times, do you remember the Proverbs that says, do not answer a fool according to his folly. The very next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly. And you go, what? Well, there are times when somebody says something that's foolish, you go, I'm not saying anything. I'm not getting involved in that one. And then there are times when you can tell when somebody says something and you go, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, right? The Bible just says be wise. There are times and times. That be just That's all throughout Scripture. So where does wisdom come from? It comes from the Bible. Okay, let me give you this story. And, and then I'm going to give you my story. 
There's a guy, his name is Dan, and uh, he was an English professor at Bethel College, and he had a job offer. Somebody called him and said, we want you to come to California to go to school, I mean, to, to work at this school. Now, here's the, the dilemma. He grew up in California, and that's, his, his, that's the school he went to. That's, uh, he's an alumni of the school that called him and said, I want you to come teach here. He lives in Minnesota and teaches at Bethel College, and his wife's family is there. So he gets a call, and they say, we want you to consider coming here. So how would we make that decision? Is it, does it come under the specific will of God? No. Does it come under the general will of God? Does he free to make any choice he wants to make? Right? And so he wants to make a what? He's supposed to make a what? A choice. Okay, he doesn't know this. He doesn't know what we're talking about. So here's what he says. My stomach was bothering me. It was rumbling. It was warning me. I had two job, uh, job opportunities. What did I want to do with my life? There was one opportunity that, uh, for a young man, and it, it seemed to be exciting. Oh, what I'll do is I'll make a list. Yes, I'll make a list of all the pros and cons. What's California like and the alma mater and the sun? And it, but what about Minnesota? Well, it's a great place and my wife's family's here, so the list didn't work. He said, well, okay, here's what I'll do. Um, uh, I'll, I'll just think about cost. California costs this much, but, oh, but Minnesota, there's road repairs and the cold and the winters. And then he said, so lists aren't working. He said, okay, so the, what I need to do then is uh, I need to really seek God. So what I will do is I will just fast and pray. I'll just fast. I, I won't eat anything for several days. Two days stretched into three. Still, still no sense of revelation. Then I said, well, I'll look in the Scripture. And I began to look through the Scripture, but I couldn't find anything about whether I should move to California or not. He said, I took some passages and I tried to twist them, you know, like Ecclesiastes, light is sweet and pleasant to the eyes. Maybe that's the sun. Maybe I should move to California. Who knows? That's what he says. He says, I was growing frustrated. God, it seemed, was playing a game with me, a shell game, hiding his will from me. What should I do? What if I chose the wrong one? What if I stayed in Minnesota and I was supposed to go to California? What if I went to California and I was supposed to stay in Minnesota? What do we already know about all this? What do we know? He can go where he wants to. Okay? So, yeah, well, that's all right. Yeah, talk to the wife. I think he did. We'll find out. Okay, anyway, so bottom line, he says... In the midst of all this, hadn't eaten in three or four days, stomach all upset, bothered everywhere, the list doesn't work, praying fasting doesn't work, everything he's got, he doesn't know what to do, he doesn't want to make a mistake, and he's working with a guy, they're working together and they're helping build something, and he told his friend, here, I got this job thing, I don't know what to do, and his friend said, you're in a great position. And he said, how can that be? I've been fasting for three days. My Bible's dog-eared in places that I didn't even know existed before. I prayed more than any time in my life, and I'm still no closer to knowing what the right decision is. And he said, listen, you've been given a choice between two goods. You can't lose. You're in a good situation here. You're being offered two great situations. I tell you, you're in great shape. And all of a sudden, I realized he was right. It's not a shell game. If it was a shell game, there's a pea under both shells, right? He says, my choices were evidence of God's grace, not a trap to test me. I learned that sometimes there is no right, I mean, no wrong choice is what he goes on to say. He says, in him sometimes we're free 
free to choose any of the many possible goods that are part of his creation. He said, I made my choice. No need to say it was the right choice, as would have been the other one as well. And by the way, he writes from St. Paul, Minnesota. <laughs> so what did he do? He talked to his wife. She said, I don't want to move to California. And he said, well, okay, that's good enough for me. All right? But the bottom line is what I want you to see. The list didn't work. Fasting didn't work. Prayer didn't work in that sense. The fear of choosing wrongly didn't work. And his last paragraph says... He's free to choose. He can't make a mistake. In areas that is not specific revelation, we are free to make any choice. They're talking about wise choice. And the key is to wake what? Wise choices. Do y'all see this? Is this too hard or is this so contrary? Most of the people that I talk to in our church, y'all have already followed this for a long time. We have taught this for a long time, but most of you would look at me and say, of course that's the way to go. My gracious. But uh, anyway, now... Uh, with that in mind, I want to tell you about me. Okay, I coached at Mississippi State for eight years. I got to the point where I knew that I wanted to be a pastor, and so I applied for Dallas Seminary and got accepted. And so I was going to go in August, and I packed everything in a van, and I moved out there. A friend I knew that was already out there helped me get an apartment. I got an apartment, and I, what little money I had, I paid for my first semester at Dallas Seminary. I had no other money. But I said, okay, i got to have a what? i got to have a job. i got to have a job. The Alcimeter said you could work 20-something hours a week. I already knew that for me to live, I had to work at least 30 hours a week. And I had just, after resigning from Mississippi State for about six, seven months, I had worked for a state farm agent as his office manager. And he said to me, stay here as long as you want to, but when you go to seminary, just go. And I said, okay. He was a great guy. So I got out there. I thought, okay, what I'll do is I'll call, what, a state farm agent? Because surely... You know, like in Starkville, Mississippi, there were three State Farm agents. I think when I get to Dallas, I'll call a State Farm agent and see if they need any help, and I could get a part-time job. And then I found the phone book. See, this is before cell phones. The phone book was this big. And so I looked up State Farm agents, and it was pages. I thought, how in the world? How, how am I going to find a State Farm? First of all, how am I going to find a State Yeah, do that, Susie. Well, I started... Uh, I started, and I just kind of, I said, okay, I'll look at this page. And I saw about, like, 20 names. And I kind of looked, and I thought, okay, I'll just start. So I, hello, hey, uh, I'm a Dallas Seminary student. I'm looking for a part-time job. I've worked for State Farm before. Do you have any over? No, click, nope, clip, nope, clip, nope, clip, nope. Let me just went on and on and on. And I'm, I'm getting worried, but I thought, surely out of all these people. And so I called a place State Farm, and the guy's name was Mr. Hartman, and the lady answered the phone. And I said, hey, I'm a Dallas Seminary student. I'm looking for a job. She said, well, you know, Mr. Hartman might want to hire somebody. I said, really? Okay, tell him I work for He said, I'll tell you what. Um, why don't you come see us and let you meet with Mr. Hartman? I said, great. When I got through, I still had called some others, and so I got a phone call back from another agent. And and it was his secretary, and she said, Mr. I don't, I don't remember this guy's name exactly, Mr. John, he, uh, he does have an opening. In fact, our office keeps getting bigger and bigger, and we're looking for people all the time, and if you can work part-time, that would be wonderful. Will you come see us? I said, great. Okay, so I wrote down everything. So I got, I, you know, I don't know Dallas, uh, and there's no phone, so I got, a, got a map. Where is Mr. Hartman's state farm? So I got in my car, and I drove, and I threw through Lakewood, and, and there it was. And it was beside a Mexican restaurant, 
and let me say it in a nice way, in one of the poorest parts of town I have ever seen. And I walked in, and in the office there's a metal desk right here, and another metal desk right here, and an office in the back. And as I walk in, the lady's going, can I help you? I said, well, I'm supposed to have a point with Mr. Hartman. Oh, oh, yeah, listen, let me, yeah, yeah, he's, he's right there, okay? So I go in, and Mr. Hartman says, hello. I said, hello, sit down. Yes, sir, sit down. What are you looking for? I said, I'm looking for a job. He said, how many hours you want? I said, uh, 25, 28, 30. He said, okay, I could, I could let you work 28 hours. I said, okay. He said, I can pay you $6 an hour. That was going right then. And I said, okay, I can do that, $6 an hour. He said, can you work? When can you get here? I said, I can get here like 2.30 from classes. He said, okay, can you work from like 2.30 to 6.30? Yeah. Can you work on Saturday? He said, oh, yeah. He said, okay, 27 hours, 27, 28 hours, $6 an hour in those times. Right, right, okay. I said, Mr. Harmon, I've got one other place to look at. Would it be okay if I let you know tomorrow? He said, yeah, you can let me know tomorrow. So I walk out, going by the metal desk, going out, and where there's a guy laying on the street right over there. And I go, mamma mia. So anyway, I get in the car, and I look, and I get the map out, and I get on the interstate, and I drive 35 minutes to get to this other place. It was in Garland, Texas. Most of you know Texas, you know. Uh, Mr. Hartman's office was near the Lakewood area. This is Garland, so I drove 35, 40 minutes, and, and this is not at a busy time of the day. So I get there. This office is big, almost as big as this room right here over there. And there, I mean, suits him. Come right in, son. You know, he, he got to sit down, and he, he's got baseball. He's a softball player. He says, the reason I really want to hire somebody is I really want to play softball a lot more, so I need somebody to take, you know, do stuff. He said, you want a job? I said, yes, sir. He said, how many hours a week can you work? I said, well, and before I could say anything, he said, how about 28? 28 is what I'm looking for. I said, okay. He said, can you, what time can you be here? I said, well, I get out of class around 2.30. He said, that's perfect, 2.30 to 6.30? I said, yeah, we could do that. He said, can you work on Saturdays? I said, yeah. And he said, I, I can pay you $6 an hour. I said, thank you. I said, can I let you know tomorrow I've got two? He said, let me know. Okay, as I walk out this shining, beautiful office with the glass things and, you know, people, hundreds of people coming in, nobody laying on the street. Okay, how are you going to make this decision? How are you going to make this decision? 20, both of them pay you the same, same amount of money, same number of hours, same job, because they actually said, can you, do, can you do health insurance, can you do cars, and can you do auto? We can't do life insurance unless you're licensed, so I can't do that, but I could do all the others. But all of them said the same thing. Can you do cars, can you do auto? I mean, can you do house auto? And I said, yeah. So it's exactly the same job. How am I going to know which one to take? Do I go back and make a list? Do I go and pray and say, oh, God, show me somehow which one to take? Well, what I did is this. I said, okay, I don't have any money, right? And if I take the job in Garland, I'll drive over an hour a day to get there and come back. It's the opposite direction of Dallas Seminary. They're going to pay me the same amount of money, but I'll spend a lot more money on what? On gas. And even though it's a really nice place and everything, uh, and then I said, Mr. Hartman's place is on the way. I pass it going to Dallas Seminary. That means I would pass it coming back. It would take me 10 minutes to get there. He pays me the same amount of money. It's exactly the same thing. How, how am I going to make that decision? I said, look, this, the other one, even though there's the same amount of money, it's actually cheaper. 
for me because I'm going to make more money because I won't spend as much gas. And so, I'm going to time. So I, I said, I called the other guy and said, I think I'm going to take the job. And he said, okay. So I called Mr. Hartman and I said, I'll take that job. He said, okay, click. <laughs> I know, well, that was a great decision. But anyway, so I get there. Let me just tell you what happened. So I get there. And after I've been there two or three days, Mr. Hartman comes to me and he says, now I know you're a seminary student and I know that when people come in here, you're going to probably want to talk to them about Christ. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> he said, feel free to say anything you want to say. Then the lady, she said, so how's seminary? I said, it's fine. She said, what do you eat at night? And I said, I don't eat anything, really. And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, I, I don't cook. She said, well, how are you making it? And I said, well, I have 83 cents that I spend in the morning for a biscuit and a coffee from McDonald's. I have a dollar eighty something I spend at lunch for a hamburger. And then sometimes I'd either get a hamburger at Jack in the Box or McDonald's on the way home or on the way after work. And that's what I do. She said, really? Okay. <laughs> so the next day I go to work. And she says, oh, by the way, we had some food left over, and all you have to do is heat it. You don't have to cook it. Just heat it. You can do that, right? I, thought, I think I could. Guess how many days that I would come to work that she had food for me? Every day. Her husband died. She called me from, I was here. I've been here for long, many years, and her husband died named Lee. And she called me and said, will you come to the funeral? I said, of course I will. Before I left there, at Dallas Seminary, you had to wear suits every day. That's what you had to wear. I only had, I actually had one suit. And then, I don't. And she says, you know, you're the same size as my son. I said, yeah. And he hates suits. We have two suits. Will you come get them? Okay, now let me ask you something. What if I'd have taken the other job? Could have been just as good in a different way. Listen, God is, it's not a game where God says, you got to pick the right one and I'm hiding it from you. Would I have been okay if I took the other job? Yes. But was I okay taking this job? Yes. So listen, you have the freedom to make choices. So let me give you this. So why, why does this seem wrong to say you can pick whatever you want? Because it doesn't seem spiritual. It just doesn't. When you say, God gives me the freedom to choose whatever way, and I could take that job or that job, and it's not a spiritual type thing, it's a wisdom type thing, and he doesn't give me direct revelation, so I have freedom to make a choice, people say, it doesn't seem spiritual. You ought to be asking God. He ought to be telling you everything. It doesn't, I don't think it works that way. And second, here's the other reason. If you go our way, you're, gonna have, you're accountable for your decisions. Because I've had some people say, well, God, he put me in a really bad situation. I said, really? Really? God did? Well, he, he told me to take that job. I said, how do you know he told you to take that job? Well, the phone rang. At the, you know, good night. So bottom line is be careful because it, it seems wrong because it doesn't seem spiritual. We have to make the decision. We have to live with the decision we make. Let me give you some guidelines and we'll stop. I think it's, yeah, it's close to time. Guidelines as we make wise decisions. First of all, just remember God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And even if you make a poor decision, an unwise decision, God can take it and use it. He can take it and use it. I have to tell you the story. Okay? I, I, I had this, 
heart to say, Lord, while I'm at seminary, let me help people. Let me help people. So one day, I'm, I got the front desk, and Radonna has the back desk. And we look down the street, because you can look out from the place, and there's actually a street going down that way. And there's a guy laying in the middle of the street. And I, I said, Radonna, look, there's a guy laying in the middle of the street. She said, yeah, he, he's around here a lot. <laughs> they got used to it. So I said, what do you think? She said, well, you can go see. And so I went all the way down the street. There was this man laying there in the middle of the street. And I said, hey, can I, are you okay? Oh, yeah. So I picked him up. And let me just say this. I picked him up and his pants fell all the way down. He didn't have any clothes. I had to pull his pants back up. And I, and I had to hold him up. And I said, what are you doing? I don't have any food. And so... Uh, I brought him back down and went in, and we got some food, and we called police. We called people, and they came. and What did they say to me? Every time we get him, we take him to a shelter. He comes back out and lives in a house by himself in a, in abandoned apartments. That's what he's going to do. But I had been saying to the Lord, I want opportunities to reach out to people. That was a big opportunity. I had to. Let me just say this. This was in the middle of the day, and when I got had to pick him up, get him back there. I realized that I couldn't stay in that office anymore. My clothes pretty much were ruined for that day. And so I said to Radonna, I'm going to run home and change clothes. She said, okay. But I'll never forget that. God used me. You know? And uh, so let me just say that God's sovereign. And you, you're not going to make a mistake in these kind of decisions. God is there. He is working. And even if you, even if we make a Poor decision, God can take that and work it for his glory. You got to know the word. You know why you got to know the word? So you can know what the principles and the truths are when you make decisions. There may be something in the Bible that tells you what to do. There may be a principle in the Bible that tells you what to do. The third thing is don't second guess. After you make a decision, go for it. Forget the things that are behind and press on the things that are ahead. I couldn't be sitting in that office and every day saying, well... I'm sitting in here with a lady who's smoking, and I don't smoke, and I can't hardly breathe. I could be at this nice luxury place over there, but let me tell you what. She became one of the great people in my life. She did. So, huh? No, she didn't, but uh, that's okay. Anyway, but just, just go for it. What you're saying is, I just want to live for you, Lord. And last but not least, be faithful. Just be faithful to do what God has for you to do. It, and whatever it is, and wherever you go, and what decisions you make, be a faithful person. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. So, bottom line, God's not hiding his will. It's found in the Bible. When there is biblical revelation, we are to obey it. Where there is no specific commands or principles in the word, then the believer is free to choose his course of action. You can't make a mistake. If it's not a right or wrong issue, how can you make a right or wrong issue, right? You have freedom. So it's hard, I know. And, and uh, you, have free, you have freedom in this room to make any decisions any way you want to. you got my blessing on them. As J. Vernon McGee used to say, you can believe whatever you want to. If you want to be right, just follow him. That's what he would say. So I'm just saying you can do whatever you want to do. This, to me, as I've studied the Bible, this is how it fits. This is the best way to look at things, and we have great freedom. There, it, when there's no commands, our principles. Now, when there are, obey them. When there's not... Your freedom, you're free, and free to do wisely, and you can't make a mistake. So don't look at decisions like that and say, I don't want to go wrong. You can't go wrong.